Welcome to the Life and Rhythm Podcast, where we hope to equip rhythm communities to be formed by God, with one another, for the good of others, in the valley as it is in heaven. Welcome back to the Life and Rhythm Podcast. Here we go. I'm episode my, five. Episode five, and I'm with my friend. Adam we are friends. We're still friends. After Your all this, friends. <laughs> <laughs> today, what are we talking about today, Adam? We're talking about movements, baby. Disciple making. movements. I don't know why I said it that way, but disciple making movements. movements. Are we? Are we one of those? How do we become one of those? <laughs> We are not one of those. Yeah. Let me give you a definition. That Perfect. We stole. Yep. We're all about that. Yes. From, from a lot smarter people than us. This is their mm-hmm. definition that we agree with. Yep. A disciple-making movement exists when multiple churches emerge within a few short years through gospel activity that has abundant fruit among the lost that multiplies these disciples and by disciples, we mean people growing in obedience to all that Jesus commands, who in turn replicate themselves into others so that we can see at least four generations regularly produced in multiple streams of disciple-making activity. And these streams multiply consistently into churches. It's a mouthful. Okay, it is. Let's break it down. Want to break this down? I do. Okay. So first off... It yeah, what is when multiple churches emerge? Absolutely. Okay. So what is, what does that look like for our context? Sure. Um, for our for Rhythm Community mm-hmm. Church, what that would look like is I'll just use you as an example. Is that Adam Everett is prayer walking his neighborhood, and he meets a person of peace, somebody who is welcoming him, who's open to conversation, and Adam asks, "Hey." would you be interested in possibly meeting up with some of your close family and friends and just opening up the scriptures and discovering who God is and maybe obeying that and then sharing it with other people? Mm. So you would actually go to that person's house in your neighborhood. You would do that. And after a few times, this is the key, you would actually step away Mm. and that person would become the missionary and the person leading what we would call a discovery Bible study in that time. In that group then, so that's a first generation, that's your first generation. That group, somebody else catches a vision for this. They start prayer walking their office, let's say. They're going into the office and before they go in, they take five minutes and they walk around the building and they're saying, God, what are you up to here? How can I be a part of it? Mm -hmm. And they're bold enough to ask somebody in their office, would you be interested in meeting with your friends and family at your location of choice, whatever night of the week, doesn't even have to be Sunday night, opening up the Bible, discovering who Jesus is as, and who God is and obeying that and sharing it with those around you. Okay, then they start it. That's the second. So that'd be your grandkid, basically, okay. in disciple making. That'd yeah. be second generation. Well, that has to happen two more times to be a fourth generation um, stream of disciple making. And then hmm. if that was happening in all of these groups and revival was taking place and the Holy Spirit was awakening people to the gospel and to gospel activity, if that was regularly happening and consistently turning into churches, that these people were making disciples who make disciples, that then churches emerge, if that happened within a few short years, well, imagine what would happen in a neighborhood or in an office complex. That would be a disciple-making movement. And 
I want to say from the beginning that everybody who's studied these kind of things um, would all agree that first and foremost, disciple-making movements are a work of the spirit. Absolutely. These are not things that we can conjure up. Mm -hmm. We can't make this happen. This is just disciple-making movements are what people are noticing is happening in South America and Africa and Iran and China, where they're seeing tens of thousands of people a year Mm-hmm. being converted. I'm not talking about kids who grew up in a Christian house who are like, oh, they're getting baptized. They're seven or eight years old or 12 or whatever. I'm talking about adult um, non-believers that are coming to the faith rapidly. There seems to be a revival happening and mm-hmm. they're calling these things disciple-making movements. So what you're saying is that there's we plant, not necessarily a church, but we plant the gospel. We're spreading seed. So we're, we're seed sowers. We're, sure. we're spreading the sea. We're we're spreading the word. Um, we're actively participating with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so this is not a I have to go do something more, but it's just as I am doing life, as I'm living life in my neighborhood or in my workplace, I'm just sensing where God is at work and how I can join Him. Yes. So you know, we talk a little bit about this in our previous podcast about defining what the church is. But real quickly, as you know, maybe somebody is jumping on, I want to encourage you, maybe if, if you are jumping in, you haven't heard the last four episodes to maybe push pause, go listen to some of those. But just real quickly, when we say a church emerges, what are we saying exactly? We're saying that multiple disciples, people who have converted to following Jesus, they were going their own way, a, a really churchy word for that, a biblical word for that would be repent. They've changed the way that they're thinking about things. They've decided to now... Give up all control of their life and let Jesus be the master of their life. And so they become an apprentice of His. Multiple people do this, they become an extended spiritual family. That's when we say church, that's what we're talking about an extended spiritual family Mm. who are together growing in surrendered obedience to the teachings of Jesus. And they're fulfilling themselves as ordinary, everyday people. And like, as you said, as they go, they're fulfilling the Great Commission, mm. motivated by the Great Commandment. They're motivated by a love of God and a love for other people. Dude, that's awesome. I love what Roy Moran says in his book, Spent Matches. We can put a link in the show notes for this. but That's a good, disturbing book. Uh, it absolutely is. And, and in fact, I want to give you actually five books that... <laughs> So we're going to do five books, but I'm going to give you a quote from Roy. But I'm going to give you these five books. These are really, these, these have been helpful for me as just unpacking what it is to, to really be immersed in this whole narrative or, or um, understanding of disciple-making movements. So the five books are Miraculous Movements, um, The Kingdom Unleashed, Spent Matches, church planning movements, and then contagious disciple making. And so those five will be in the show notes. But Roy talks about this in Spent Matches. He says, DMM, or disciple making movements, is a strategy that has six key characteristics. So exactly what you're talking about. God-ordained, so God-ordained, spirit-dependent, Bible-centered, obedience-focused, discovery-based, and disciple-driven. He goes on to say, in brief, DMM turns average followers of Christ into event planners rather than salesmen for Jesus so that they can invite their friends, neighbors, and workmates into small groups designed to hear from God through reading the Bible, obeying what he says, and sharing it with their social networks. I love that because it really is going from coming to a place to consume and flipping it on its head to say, 
God, where are you at work and how can I be obedient to your word as I listen and as I read and as I, you know, again, we may use a, a churchy word of fellowship, but just be in relationship with other people. Where are you at work in this in these spheres of influence? What would, what else would you say? What comes to mind with that that quote? Well, I would I would one hundred percent agree with you that this is God's mission first and foremost. Jesus said, "I will build my church. You go make disciples. I will build my church. You go make disciples." And God's work, I believe, is motivated by His desire to see all people saved. So made in his image, I believe that as human beings, we are motivated to do things, not because we think we should do them, but because our heart Mm -hmm. wants to do them. So our actions follow our desires. And I think our thoughts a lot of times actually follow our desires. Mm. So the primary um, engine of a person, the first place is the heart. Jesus would say, um, the heart is the center of the human being, not the mind, which the enlightenment has taught us differently. <laughs> Growing up yeah. in America, that's just what we think. We think if we change the way a person thinks, then they will do differently. But after hundreds of years in America of discipling people and trying to get them to obey the commands of Jesus, we find out very quickly that n- the transfer of knowledge isn't enough. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I, again, going back to what I was saying is... God's desire is for all people to be saved. We know that based on passages like, you know, 1 Timothy 2, that very simply says, God wants everybody to be saved. He wants all people to be saved. So the question needs to be, if that's God's desire, does our strategy match his strategy and his desire? And that's a very convicting question. Does my strategy of, of making disciples look like Jesus's strategy? When I look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and does, does my desire match his desire to want to see all people saved? Dude, there, there is so much there. And, and so we want to dive into our sort of our strategy. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, something that just comes to my mind is the conviction of success is generational discipleship. Going back to that four generations deep, like that is success in disciple making movements. And that takes a whole new outlook and strategy than what we've been accustomed to, especially in the Western church and the American church. And I think about so much of our relationships and so much of our motives, if I'm, if I'm just speaking for myself, has been centered around me. Mm-hmm. You know, who am I connected with? Who am I going to coffee with or, you know, you know, meeting on, you know, at the pub or at the bar or like whatever I'm doing at the CrossFit gym, whatever I'm doing. Like, and I'm trying to seek and save the lost, it's all coming back to me versus what you're saying is as I'm going, I'm scattering seed and I'm telling people about the gospel and then I'm sending them and releasing them to go and do the same thing. And so there's a sense of like a loosening of control mm-hmm. when it comes to disciple making that um, unfortunately we're not, I'm not at all times comfortable with. And so this strategy, first and foremost, uh, starts with me being comfortable with loosening control and then seeing uh, so that we can see that growth happen. Yeah. And I mean, if you just look at bare bones statistics, our strategy in America is not working. And there's a right. lot of pastoral leaders that are spinning a narrative that we are winning our culture back for Jesus. And if we can just plant more churches, then we'll be okay. If, um, but the cost per baptism in America is staggering. 
Yeah, $1.5 million per baptism. And how much is it? Say that again, <laughs> 1.5. So all the money that's coming into American churches one, it equates to $1.5 million to a baptism. So, so just for people listening, that means looking at the total uh, offering money that's being brought in mm-hmm. to America and what's being spent on ministry and then match that with how many people are being uh, brought into the family of God per year mm-hmm. in America. The, the people have done this math and statistically, Adam is saying it's over a million dollars per baptism. Whereas what we're about to talk about with disciple making movements and how that's being done overseas, specifically over. in, in India. In India, it's 66 cents. 66 cents. Yeah. And our brothers and sisters in, uh, involved in CICM, so it's Central India Christian Mission, it actually comes out to be in like 34 cents. Yikes. Which is just absolutely nuts to me. Because it, it doesn't cost, like the overhead, it's just not a lot, you know? And, and especially when you think about a majority of church budgets go toward, you know, staff and facilities. I mean, that's going to be anywhere from 50 to 75% of an overall overall church's budget. Um and then, you know, and then we've been talking with uh, a national well, exponential and, and a bunch of church planning or disciple making movements um, kind of got together. And this is really a cool, a cool thing, a national study on disciple making in USA churches. So we're going to put this in the show notes as well. Um, but this PDF, I would encourage you just to go through, but they talk about fewer than 5% of churches in the U.S. have a reproducing disciple making culture. Less than five percent. Yeah, and it, and it really goes back to what you're talking about, Matt. Is is the strategy behind that? Um, when there's not a strategy, there's a, not a mode of disciple making that's occurring within the life of the church. It's really hard to produce that. Yeah, and I don't want anybody to listen to this and think that you have to walk away and read five books. No, I'm, you and, should absolutely do that. And yeah. I'm gonna g- <laughs> no. Stop, I'm gonna give you a- just stop. Stop the podcast right now. <laughs> I'm going to give you a sixth book that informs wow. a lot of these other We're books. We're giving another one. And I've not read this. I mean, I've, I've only heard about it in all the of Bible. these books. No. <laughs> John Dickerson, The Great Evangelical Recession. Dude, that, yes. Okay. That is another one. One of his quotes from that book, he says, I'm not talking about convincing converts. I'm talking about making disciples. Yeah. So not just filling seats in auditoriums, but actually training people. Are we valuing the quality of our discipleship more than the quantity of our attendance? Mm. Let me read that again. Are we valuing the quality of our discipleship more than just the quantity of our attendance? Jesus's words in life reveal that it matters to him whether new and growing disciples are being made or not. And so uh, truthfully, what Adam's talking about, what I'm talking about, and I legitimately mean it, you do not have to go out and buy it. You need to say it. Yeah, guys, you don't need to. Okay, thank you. You don't need to do that. What Jesus said when he was about to die and resurrect, he says, I'm giving you my spirit, Mm -hmm. my Holy Spirit, and that in the person of the Holy Spirit who is fully God, a part of the Trinity, you are fully equipped. You wait. All right, you just wait for the spirit and that that is enough. I am enough yeah. to accomplish this. And so all of our life then becomes about, well, how do I then cooperate? Absolutely. With that spirit in bringing God's kingdom come. Um, 
Because first and foremost, I like what Leslie Newbegin says. He was a missionary and a British uh, theologian, died in 1998. But he said, disciple-making movements are first and foremost a work of the Spirit. So mm. everyone can just take a deep breath <laughs> as we walk through the five elements. And if you research disciple-making movements, everybody defines these elements differently, but these are really the five ingredients that we see within disciple-making movements. Can I walk through those? Real yeah, let's do that. Okay, so so this would be our strategy. Yes. So what do we do then if we want to participate, participate? with that work? Mm-hmm. Well, number one, we start praying and fasting, and so one of the elements of disciple making movements is extraordinary prayer and fasting. Let me yeah. walk through these real quick, and then maybe we'll circle back. Number yeah. two, living as missionaries, finding people of peace, right. yeah, engaging with culture, having a missional engagement with the people around us. Number three, sharing the gospel abundantly sowing the seed of the gospel. Number three or four, out of that, a church will then emerge mm. from making disciples. As, dis- as the gospel is shared, a church emerges. And then fifth, we will see multiplication. New leaders being trained, new churches on mission, new teams of people that are arising from the Holy Spirit's work. Mm. So those five, and we're going to spend significant time in future podcasts walking through yeah. each of those five. What do we mean by that? How do we participate in this work? Uh, but man, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Yeah. Because <laughs> we, yeah. we are doing our best. And at times, I don't feel fully equipped with his Holy Spirit. I think that I need to listen to one more podcast. I think I need to read one more book. You should read those five books. (laughs) And the reality is, you know what? Jesus said, hey, God authorized me and commanded me (laughs) to commission you. That's right. And so just go out and train everybody, whoever you meet, in the the power of the Spirit. Like, just baptize them, mark them, you know, in this way of life, and instruct them to practice. Uh, A while back, we used to say, man, what's Rhythm all about? What's Rhythm Community Church all about? We used to say, we're just about practicing the unforced rhythms of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And when I think about the rhythms of Jesus, I think about his rhythms of prayer and fasting. I think about his life being sent. You know, in John 20, he says, I, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So Mm -hmm. we're a missionary people. And then the gospel that he shared, the good news, he came proclaiming boldly and embodying with signs and wonders and miracles, Mm. backing up his statement saying, the kingdom of God has come. It's yeah. here now. And, and ch- the church emerged out of that. Like the church was born out of all those things. And so how will new churches be born? Probably in the way of Jesus. Yeah, man. There, and there's so much to unpack with this. And, and as Matt mentioned, we're going to go through the, these core tenets or the strategy in, in depth in future episodes. I, I would love to just, instead of going back through them, I would love to just camp out on... A few things are coming into my mind um, when it comes to the shift in this type of thinking. You know, there's there's some deconstruction that has to happen um, for us to think about church in this way, to think about our and specifically to think about our lives as vessels of the Holy Spirit that are being sent out and that are being in, in tune with this and, and in step with where the Spirit's leading. And first and foremost, what I'm convicted by daily or what I'm reminded of daily is it starts within my home. 
or it starts within me. Like I'm ministering to I'm I'm ministering to myself and reminding myself of the gospel. Preach, brother. Preach. <laughs> you know, it's like, and and that we talked about this in a previous episode, but talking about those intimate spaces, that it only comes from. I can't have a personal space with my spouse or with my family if it's not coming from the intimate space with the Father, and being reminded of who I am and whose I am. And how God has crafted me, and and I think where it gets um, for me personally, if I can just speak to this, where it becomes out of whack, um, it becomes ill fitting, it becomes a burden, is when I'm working outside of myself. Yes, where I'm working outside of and outside of and out of step with the Spirit, and uh, I'm reminded of that, you know, with my with my daughter and with my son. Um, Man, I could be a great missionary to a lot of people, but if they don't see me as they see Jesus or as I'm reminding them of Jesus, then what have I done? So I think for us, you know, in terms of how do we see this actually played out, it is absolutely obedience based. It is, we know more than what we can be obedient to. Um, you know, very simply, just loving God and loving others. That you know that command that Jesus is boiling down the six hundred thirteen laws into those two commandments. Like, if I just did that and actually lived that out, man, my life would look different. Yeah. If we did that as a church, our life, the life of America, our culture would look different. Yeah, bro. One of the one of the leaders that has probably impacted Adam and I. I don't know if the most, but he's been a massive voice in our life. Is a guy mm-hmm. named Todd mm-hmm. Hunter. He leads um, a diocese in the Anglican Church called C4SO, which stands for Church for the Sake of Others. And what Adam is referring to, he talks about the journey inward before the journey outward. Mm-hmm. That if we're going to have this outward impact and see God move in the area of you know just serving other people. He talks about peacemaking, evangelism, discipleship, justice is a big part of that, promoting justice. Um, then we must first and foremost prioritize our inward journey. Like mm. we need to be entering into spiritual formation. And, and he quotes Dallas Willard a lot in terms of grace. The grace that's been given to us is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. And there, there are some classic spiritual disciplines like prayer, like mm-hmm. fasting, mm-hmm. like celebration, like simplicity. I mean, read The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster or The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. And all of those books point to this little just unearthed truth that we've forgotten that if we're going to become like Jesus, we got to do the things that Jesus did, not Gosh. just outwardly, but inwardly. And for me personally, this week, I'm challenged by Jesus's rhythms of rest. And I, I told Adam before this podcast started, like I slept 11 hours last night because the last couple nights, there's been some heavy things going mm-hmm. around in our rhythm community and it's breaking my heart. And I could stay up and, and work <laughs> more and more. I could have I got six hours of sleep last night, but legitimately, as I was praying and actually meeting with my spiritual director yesterday, he was like, maybe the, maybe the Spirit's inviting you to mm-hmm. rest. How's your Sabbath life? Look, Jesus broke the rules of the Sabbath, but we can't say he didn't do the Sabbath. He didn't right. obey this. He did. 
And so there are things that we can do to cooperate with the Holy Spirit's work, not just outwardly, but inwardly. Yeah, man. Yeah, you know, it's what's interesting about our culture, and I, I struggle with this so much because we just gave them like six books to read, right? And Which they don't need to read. You don't need to read that. No, you should. That's right. But um, <laughs> they're great. But, I, you know, I struggle with, and, and even... Um, even the wrestling with uh, some of the conversation about doctrine or about theology or about, um, you know, who's, who's given the sermon, you know, kind of thing. When we think about church, we think about uh, movements or, or whatever comes to mind around that, you know, sort of thing. It's, it's often, well, who's, who's the teacher? Who's the, who's the catalyst that's, you know, who's the, um, (laughs) <laughs> the Pope or the, you know, who's Moses uh, coming up down from the mountain saying, here's the, here's the word of the Lord. And, uh, and I'm just reminded when you said that, when you talked about that is the Holy Spirit is the teacher, yeah, not Jesus, a teacher. And Jesus is the senior pastor. Right. And it's just, I, I have to remind myself that the spirit is, is teaching me every single day. If I would just listen mm-hmm. and obey. Yeah. And and create that exactly what you're saying. Create that space to be able to to actually hear yeah. what what the spirit is saying. Yeah. And if I if I could just say one thing before we shut down this episode, what Adam and I are saying is it's not the culmination of knowledge that leads to disciple making movements. It's a cultivation of the life in the spirit. Mm. It's not a culmination of knowledge. It's cultivating a rich life in the Holy Spirit keeping in step with him, bearing the fruit of the spirit, becoming like Christ inwardly as well as outwardly. That's what, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. We're going to dive into next episode, extraordinary prayer and fasting. So the first spot or the, play, the starting point when it comes to disciple making movements. And I want to say this real quick as we, as we wrap up, we are not proclaiming that we are a movement today. <laughs> Slappable. I don't even. We're in motion, not movement. <laughs> That's right. We're just taking steps. We're taking steps, but we are in motion to to see this happen in the valley. And as we said to wrap up, defining Rhythm Community Church, our prayer is just that: Father, Your will be done on earth or in the valley as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, we hope to see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life and Rhythm podcast. We are on mission to live freely and lightly with one another for the good of others. Peace.